Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number eight. I'm Dave. And I'm Ashley. We're a couple getting to know each other better by making each other watch essential movies from our past. Did I, did I phrase that a little more forcefully this time? Uh, making, yes. Making. <laughs> sharing. It's a, it's a podcast well, about sharing. Well, going with the themes of this movie, probably making Making it, is better it, yeah. than sharing? Uh-oh. <laughs> So uh, this week, uh, it was Dave's pick, and he chose Naked, uh, a 1993 film by uh, a director that I really like, uh, Mike Lee. Um, and I have lots of thoughts on this movie, So, but let's have Dave talk, tell us why he chose this movie first. That's a really tough question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely feel like I haven't seen this film in a long time. I'm going to say this is a film that that struck a 22 year old Dave really hard. And Mm -hmm. I've thought of it ever since as, as an important movie that really impacted me at the time. But let me set the scene a little bit. When I was 22 years old, I lived for a few months alone in London in the winter of 1993 when this movie came out. Um, So I definitely think that there's an element to being a young philosophical man out of college, um, also feeling isolated in a small flat thousands of miles away from friends and family that um, identified with a certain lonely, isolated, not really angry quality to the film. So there's something about the experience of being somebody traveling through the streets of London outside of things that was probably part of how I experienced the film at the time. However, this character of Johnny, the angry, philosophical, probably bipolar conspiracy Mm. theorist person, and all of his diatribes and his bitter, sarcastic, biting humor... And the way he pushes people away, he's fascinating to watch. I don't know how to describe it. He's terrible. He's despicable. He does vile things. And yet, it's partly David Thewlis, and it's partly the character as he's written and conceived. He's magnetic to watch. He's He is fascinating. You can't look away. It's like a road accident. And you don't... There's something about the way he pushes your buttons as well as the people in the film that I could not take myself away from. And it just really, it's like a punch in the stomach. I don't know. I hadn't seen anything that felt that naked, haha, that raw. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think maybe up until that point. So I don't know how much of this is me now in hindsight, looking back, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much was self-aware. I've seen it maybe three times since then. Over the years, it's probably been at least 10 years since I saw it. And I remember when we were heading into like our movie choice for the weekend, I was like, are you ready to do something more challenging? Because <laughs> I just rem- I know that there's a lot in here that's really hard. And I didn't know how hard to watch it was going to be to come back to it. So here we are in a room with me trying yes. to defend my choice. <laughs> well, I, I think that you may have picked up on the fact that, and I want to preface this by saying that I found it an interesting film, that I have a lot to say about it, but I like really viscerally did not like the male characters in, in the movie. I mean, to an extent that I like unwatching, watching it was 
extremely unpleasant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the violence towards women, the lack of female character development was really disappointing for me because I'm a big Mike Lee fan, as, yeah. as you know. Mm-hmm. Happy Go Lucky, which is a film I think that he directed in 2004-ish, mm-hmm. so roughly 11 years later, has a female lead character. It has a little bit of this sort of male masculinity in it, but it's this fully realized, beautiful... And I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of his movies, which have like beautifully, fully fleshed out female characters, mm-hmm. and I was so disappointed <clears throat> by all the women were victims, or they were set pieces, or they were something to support the, you know, the violence and the. And I, I mean, like there were a lot. Of, anyway, we'll, we'll get into to more of that. <laughs> Should we synopsize a little more, <laughs> yeah, like just so to set up if people aren't familiar with the movie? I think so. Yeah. Do you want to take a stab at what your take on like kind of the narrative through line is of this movie? What do we? What do they need so, to know? So we the the big thing we need to know is. There's this guy, Johnny, um, which is kind of a generic male name, I think, on purpose, um, who's just come to London from Manchester. um, And they don't set up much of like you kind of find out how the relation what the relationships are by watching the film. Like you don't he shows up at someone's house and she seems to know him, but they don't ever have a conversation that explains who he is and what they are to each other. And, um, but they clearly knew each other in the past, um, him and this woman, and there's another woman that's staying in the same flat and he starts a sexual relationship with her. So you have Louise, the woman that he knew before from Manchester. Yes. And you have her roommate, the sort of hippie pothead, um, Sophie. And then they have a third roommate who's away in South Africa, uh, for She's on safari somewhere in Africa. Um, so, you know, Johnny blows into town, sort of makes a mess of these two women, and then he goes out on the street. Let's set this up properly. (laughs) The movie opens with him raping a woman in an alleyway. That's right. She says, I'm going to call my brothers. They're going to beat the crap out of you. He steals a car and drives to London overnight, abandons the car by the side of the road, and then walks up to the front steps and actually convinces the woman he doesn't know, Sophie, the roommate, to let him in and under the pretense that he's an acquaintance. Like, I don't think he would even ever say he was a friend. It turns out later that they had been involved for a year. A year. They dated for a year. I can't imagine that the... Like, well, and I got the feeling that Luis left Manchester to get away from him. That is my interpretation of what... I mean, and... I think that's there. I think yeah, you can see that, yeah. but it, but it's, it's, you have to kind of bring that away so, from it. It's yeah. not overtly So he there. blows into town, has, starts a sexual relationship sort of under the nose of his ex-girlfriend with her, her roommate, and then as soon as, you know, and then he's done. He's done with the roommate, so he goes and hangs out on the streets where he meets various people. Um and then there's sort of a B story with this terrible rich guy. Um, yeah, so there's another, there's a parallel character, Jeremy. Yeah. Who, like, I wrote down in my notes, American Psycho. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like the wealthy, um, conservative, uh, like, yeah. banker type. Which, like, who may or may not be the landlord of... 
It's so, not clear. It's not clear. I always took it to be that he actually was the landlord, but then there's a weirdness about like he has two different names. Yeah. When <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're also kind of following his odyssey and the wreckage of women that he's leaving around town. But he's very definitely like a to me a minor yeah. kind of counterpoint character. I kind of wondered why he was in it at all. I wrote yeah. I wrote that down yeah. too. But um, I think the like the the middle main the sort of the act two of the movie is Johnny's long odyssey through London overnight when he's like fuck this and he leaves yeah. Sophie and Louise the women that he you know he came to shelter with Louise yeah. start something up with Sophie and then like when she starts to immediately attach to yeah. him and following him around and she's I'm in love with you immediately. He's like, nope, I'm out of here. And yeah. his pushing people away, like very viscerally, brutally, physically and emotionally is like his second nature. I mean, it's yeah. like how he reacts to people. And then he goes off and has this sort of odyssey overnight. It I is mean, like the odyssey. Yeah, and they actually talk about find the, each other. Yeah. Um, and then he finds a guy. So, yeah. He finds a guy who works at night and he, he there's he finds he the, the homeless couple the young homeless couple from, from Scotland, Scotland Scotland he has the night watchman in the empty um, corporate building yeah who he who takes pity on him and, and lets him in out of the cold and then he continues to mess with him <laughs> <laughs> and then the woman in the in the apartment across the street. Uh, who the security guard watches every night from across yeah. through the blinds, who kind of dances in various states of undress in front of her window. He goes and goes in there probably just to mess with the security guard. Like, yeah. look, I can actually go in there that she's your fantasy. You're over there like looking at her. Look, I can go in here and, and you have that section. She's a, um, a, she's sort of a middle-aged, alcoholic, very lonely woman who should never have let anyone into her apartment in the middle of the night. And he basically humiliates her, leaves her behind, runs into the security guard the next morning. And then the la- I think the last stage of that meets the is the cafe waitress. Yeah, and she kicks him out. Who invites him home. And then she, I don't know if she's scared of him or she invites him in, but then like in, in kill, like it essentially kicks him out later. And I think then, that she's like, she's actually a woman who he never physically mm-hmm. hurts, brutalizes, or even really touches. And, but like I interpreted that as like his sheer like nihilism and philosophical like, constant so sorry <laughs> so his um constant he's a, he's a paranoid conspiracy theorist type super like he's read too much but like in a very weird way um and then ultimately ends up back at the flat he started in um so our first interaction with John- where he's beaten to a pulp yeah. Yes, that's why he returns. <laughs> <clears throat> and then he's beaten to a pulp some more. Yeah, which uh, I think is deserved. Um, <laughs> not and that then, I'm advocating and then violence. We leave him hopping down the road. <laughs> yes. Towards the camera. Away from all conditions. Very slowly. 
<laughs> in great pain. Yes. Away from any possibility of connection or human redemption. Yeah. So Johnny, I mean, like our first introduction to Johnny is that he's raping a woman in an alley and then he steals a car to run. Which away. I think is fascinating that yeah. <laughs> people tend to forget that the movie opens with him in an alleyway raping a woman. Yeah. By the time you get through everything else in the movie, like you didn't it's even hard remember to remember that. that. <laughs> yeah. That, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of other sexual violence to, um, to, to remember throughout the movie. So, <laughs> um, so he runs away from this rape, uh, to a house in London where he sort of uses his charm, um, that he has, that he uses with everyone. He has this natural charisma that he uses to talk people well, into things. Well, he's extremely witty. Yeah, yeah. His, I think of him kind of as like a, a maybe a bipolar manic depressive type yeah. or something like that, kind of always on edge and talking a mile a minute and the connections he's making, yeah, like people, all kinds of bits and pieces drawn. of... He's kind of like when Sherlock or Doctor Who starts off on their like connections between uh-huh. things and people are like all drawn in. To, yes. Except um, he's not benevolent or But it's all, there's wordplay and sort of this, all kinds of weird yeah. connections and references to philosophy and parables and he's, a, and the Bible, Bible yeah. and apocalyptic uh, revelations mm. and 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 all of this stuff kind of like banging around and tumbling out of his mouth in um, puns and in angry diatribes. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's I, that it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's able to get this girl Sophie to let him into her apartment, um, uh, where it were discovered that he knows her roommate Louise. And um, who is also from Manchester, and because um, she's the next girlfriend. Yeah, she's we well, which we don't know at that point, though. No, we don't, but we know yeah. that, so yes. we can say that. Yeah, um, she's the next girlfriend, but he immediately starts a t- um, kind of a sexual relationship with Sophie, but it's um, violent and crude, and and. Um, I I really did not like the um, representation of sex in in this movie at all. The violence was just really uncomfortable for me to watch, you know. And then paired with the fact... Well, you you have a movie where the the only sex in the movie and the men are using it as a a way to hurt people. Yeah. There's no joy in it. There's no... no, it's It's about power... It's about brutality, yeah, and it's and it's this kind of angry nihilist sort of yeah thing. nihilism. Whether is you're the talking word. about um, the Johnny character, yeah. the main character, or that sort of counterpoint, the the businessman Jeremy, so, the so landlord. I think now that you mentioned Jeremy, Jeremy is so Johnny is uh, they their names both start with J you know, incidentally, but Johnny has nothing. He has no money. He has a bag with his stuff in it and a coat. That's like all he has mm-hmm. in the world. So he's, two thirds of the way through the movie, he loses the bag. He, when, so he doesn't even after have the messing bag with anymore. the guy who's putting up the signs. <laughs> yeah. The guy finally just kicks him into the street and drives away with. with so his so bag. he has nothing. He has nothing but his charm and his wits, and he's able to have this sort of. I'm like pretty much every woman that he comes in contact with is drawn into that. You know, um, which 
I mean, is really disturbing um, <laughs> um, to me. But the Jeremy is like the opposite of that. Like he doesn't have any charm at all, but he's rich. He's you know, rich. and he's drawing in women in the same way, which I think he's is a complete and utter snake. Yeah, he's loathsome. He has no wit, no mm-hmm. charm, no intelligence. He's like an empty shell, like yeah. that sort of American Psycho kind of character. Yeah. But yet- it's both of them are able to draw in women, and I mean, like, and you know, they use that whatever you know, whatever they have money or charm and wit to you know draw these people in you know johnny does a little bit more of he draws everyone to him he's able to um charm the scottish guy on the street and the scottish guy's girlfriend well not everything he does is bad and i was thinking about that too i was like it seems like at war in johnny or in there somewhere is there are some good impulses there is some effort now and again, you see flashes of him trying to be human. And like the idea, the one of his first episodes mm. when he leaves Louise and Sophie and goes off into the night because he doesn't want Sophie clinging yeah. onto him anymore. It's like, I'm just going out into the streets. He ends up with the, the homeless Scottish kids. Yeah. There's something there that genuinely seems to be he's trying to help reconnect those kids. Like yeah. he's not just messing with them. No. And he, like, that's the only one that he, like, goes away without damaging them, you know? No. I think similarly, they end up shout. They end up all shouting at each other. Well, I don't know if Johnny's involved in the shouting, though. I think it's just the couple. But, like, he realizes yeah, right. that, that he's cut out from that because once they're together, then neither of them need him. They've got each other, you know, to... To, to do stuff with. But, like, I think it's interesting that he repeatedly goes out and makes what seem to be genuine connections. Like, the best example I can think of is the Night Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Like, he initially develops this great they, sort of rapport. They befriend each other. Yeah. The Night Watchmen trusts him. They yeah. respect each other as sort of, well, I don't know if Johnny respects the Night Watchmen, yeah. but they definitely are conversing and and. When I watch him sharing some of his experience, and what John, what does Johnny do when he develops a connection with someone? Well, I mean, first he berates him to death about his, you know, his boring middle class job. You know, so I've known people like this, where like the status quo, where like quote unquote normal things that people want are just so offensive to them that they, I mean, like that they like actively push away, like they are intentionally obtuse to the point that they push people away just in their like, you know, your ideas are stupid kind of your life is well, stupid kind of he Johnny is very much the throw this to the, um, what, yeah, the thing we were watching. The throw it on the ground. <laughs> I'm not part of your system yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. He's he's one of those like I live above all of this stuff. But it's okay. Can't, can't I have nothing, them, but I don't need anything. Let them have whatever their thing is. No, he has to take it away. So if they're happy in whatever situation they are, he has to tell them that nothing matters anyway. No, they're just or, deluded. They're or, part of the. They're part of the system. Yeah. They don't get it. 
or actually his arguments because he's a little bit nutty yeah. too are a bit more cosmic because yeah. with Brian the night watchman it comes back to this is all going to end anyway this yeah. is 666 666 I can't say it <laughs> it's 666 is the barcode on your forehead that yeah. we're all you know this we're all heading towards oblivion it's over man so nothing yeah. matters the, but is that is that the key to his character <laughs> that nothing matters I think part of the key to his character is he's another one of those characters that's so broken and broken inside, like Mm. crazy ex-girlfriend. Yes, like the crazy. He's he's so broken that um, when he begins, when he makes a connection with anybody, he immediately like tears it down, knocks it down, kills it. Yeah. He hurts the person that he connects with. Yeah. He hurts the person that he charms. And it's the same with the women as it is with Brian, as it is with any yeah, of these other the characters. Other people that he connects, except he, for the sign guy at the end who is not having any of his bullshit. <laughs> no, but I don't think they even make a connection. No, he just, no, he, he just, just jumps in the car. That was rest. like his, his, his charm is worn out by that point. You yeah. know, like it wasn't him that severed the connection between the, the last girl, the waitress that brings him to her apartment yeah. Like, I think you mentioned that, you know, he just talked to her and about about the end of the world. That is and a stuff very, and, very sad scene. Yeah. That woman is so sad. The woman he meets. Yeah. And like, she can't take it anymore. And yeah. I really think it's the it's that. Yeah. The nakedness of that that nihilistic view. That's just like you. I need you to leave now. She throws the stuff down the yeah. stairs. She screams at him to get out, and it it seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. But it's just because he's constantly talking and constantly picking apart everybody's beliefs, anything that you care about. Everybody, yeah. You know. Well, I mean, and I guess if you're, depending on your situation and what's going on, you can only take so much of that. (laughs) I I should, some context for this, we just had, um, they just solved a series of bombings here in Austin. Um, so this was an interesting movie to follow that up with because that sort of, um, I don't know how much you read about the guy who perpetrated it, but essentially it was that sort of, you know, sociopathic kind of kind of affect that he yeah. had where like nothing mattered and he didn't care and, and that sort of thing, which is... Um, may have influenced well, my... Well, here's the weird thing. If Johnny truly didn't <laughs> yeah. care, why does he keep befriending and interacting with everybody? Yeah. He could just be a crazy person underneath a freeway overpass, you know, sitting by a fire by himself yeah. overnight in the cold. Why does he keep seeking people out in order to kind of connect with yeah. them and then push them away? Well, so, so, like, what I, is his I'm deal? Known, what motivates him? I've known people that are like this, that are like, you know, on one side, they're so intelligent and they have so many interesting things to say and so much they could contribute. But there's that other part of them that just is so involved in being obtuse and different and outside the box and then there's this emotional thing where they want to connect with people, but no one can o- ever possibly live up to the ideal. Yeah, this person is actually a kind of person because yeah. I I know that I connect elements of Johnny <laughs> in a couple of people I've known in, in my life. Yeah, 
Well, it's funny. I know someone who I think may have watched this movie and modeled his whole life on this person. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. um, Let's not have dinner with them. No, no, we shan't. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I just... but, But the thing that perhaps is the most disappointing to me is because I like Mike Lee so much is that the women just were not three-dimensional at all. They were all, we didn't get to find Do out. Do you what feel their like stories. they're almost there just to shine a light on different aspects of Johnny and the way he yeah. treats people or they're there to, to, yeah. to be a relief to him in some so way? What I don't know. And I've, I've read some, you know, some some reactions, different reactions, because there's some people that thought it was like the greatest British movie made in 30 years, and 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 that sort of thing. It did won awards at Cannes. Um, Roger Ebert really liked it, and then I, I read some of there were some female critics that also that had a similar mm-hmm. reaction to mine. The sort of I was like, oh, there it is, the the very negative. And then there was another female critic that was like, well, just because you know, it's presented this way doesn't mean that it's, he's in, he's promoting that, that, that aspect or he's, I don't think he's promoting that aspect, but I mean, I don't think that either, but knowing how human his other movies are, this one just didn't feel. And I've watched other difficult movies by Mike Lee. Vera Drake is like, call the midwife if you don't ever want to smile again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it through that movie. I have to um, confess. Vera, Vera Drake is very hard to watch, but I think that there's a little more um, humanity on display. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, what do you think? If you go back to Mike Lee as the director yeah. of this film, and you you look at these other films with great humanity, like Secrets and Lies, mm-hmm. or Happy Go Lucky, or the Gilbert and Sullivan one, you I know, Topsy Turvy. So. Um, thank you. I couldn't yes. remember the name of it. <laughs> What is Mike Lee's motivation for making this film? What do you think he's... Why Why is this... Well, what I is mean, this vision of his? What is he showing us? Yeah. Why does this movie exist? I mean, I, I think that he may be exposing toxic masculinity, but, I mean, I'm coming from 2018 where we have uh, Don Draper and we have Walter White and we have... Um, all these like men that are these sort of these sort of characters, these anti-heroes, you know, and probably because we had a generation of men who saw these films and were interested in that sort of anti-hero kind well, of Johnny as anti-hero comes more out of a tradition of Malcolm McDowell and a Clockwork Orange or something like yeah. that. I think where you have someone who's extremely brutal yeah. but also charismatic in a way. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that that this these television shows that we have now. Anyway, I think that we're sort of at peak anti-hero. So I don't know if this. I mean, I'm just saying that we have we've heard this perspective a lot. I guess is the thing, and you know, I I guess I shouldn't judge it outside of its time in that way. But like, I, part of me is like, do we really need another misogynistic? Clever than he see, or too clever for for everyone. But this came kind before of. Those I know, other I know ones. it came. I yeah, came I know. Before. You can never go and see it in its own context. Yeah, it's you have. <laughs> you can only experience it as you are now. Yeah, and everything that made you who you are, and everything you've seen before. 
Well, so I love that actor. I think he's great, and I can't remember what else I've seen him. David Thewlis. Yeah, I think he's fantastic, and and interesting. He was in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, but, uh... well, I think I've seen him in other things <laughs> yeah. too. I love British, you know, British everything really. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know he's in um, Life is Sweet. He plays yeah. the boyfriend of, uh, which is the the I think the Mike Lee movie. Yeah. maybe right before this one, one of the earlier ones that I saw. Yeah, which is a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> but I I don't know the I the lack of empathy there for other people is is I guess. Do you think mo- Mike Lee just had a really bad nihilistic year of what? his own, and and or is is was he is there some kind of larger political thing going on here? Well, is this like a this look at this bleak society we have here where we don't really care about each other? And how many of us are just out for ourselves, pushing each other to the ground? And so, I mean, I'm reaching here, yeah. but he's well, a political I, director in a lot of ways. So I don't know if there's anything else happening in that realm. And I, 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 I well, haven't you gone know, back. Indecent proposal came out the same year. <laughs> yes, it's often talked about yeah. in the same breath as. Uh, uh, well, I mean, just to talk about other sort of misogynistic themes that exist in the world but um i i immediately thought did this come out around the same time as some of quentin tarantino's early ones which also had a very male perspective i think well reservoir dogs and pulp fiction would have come out already and i feel that's kind of around where we are yeah when this came out in 1993 i I, you know i was my mom didn't show me this when i was 12 Well, that's good. <laughs> I would kind of worry if she had. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I try to think about the early 90s. It was it was a little grimier than we are now. Things weren't as shiny. Um, yeah. We were just coming out of the 80s, which were definitely sort of male-driven, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I... I was going to say, one of the things that that struck me about the character of Louise this time, I was thinking just before we recorded about um, what does, if you look at, you know, the moment when Johnny leaves at the end, what he leaves in his wake. And I was thinking about how one of the last scenes with Louise is her having come to the decision after having lived through this last several days with Johnny and then the horrible Jeremy, the the brutal landlord person who won't leave and who's kind of holding them hostage in the house. She, she leaves with a resolution to go back to Manchester because she's not happy in London. Yeah. This life she's trying to leave, lead, you know, working the job, moving away from whatever it is she left from. She doesn't want to have this anymore. And there's kind of a sense that this is a turning point for her, that she's going to quit her job and maybe leave. And I know not a lot is made out of it, but it's kind of a quiet, um, last act to her story that she mentions towards almost towards the very end of the movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm grasping, (laughs) trying to find something that's, I think Louise is the closest thing you have to a full character. Yeah. I mean, but, and that's about as much as you get of of her personal experience. Yeah. They had a history. Well, and it's because he's damaged her. He's come back almost to say, remember me? Yeah. You still can't have me. I still hate you. I need you, but I hate you. You're familiar to me. Whatever that is. And it's almost like he comes back into her life just to reject her again. Yeah. But out of this, she's like, 
I don't want to have anything to do with, with any of this whole this horrible cold existence of anonymous people in London yeah. anymore. I'm going to go back. Yeah, I guess I can see that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm trying to find yeah, some, some I think something. She's a little more three dimensional, and yeah. and you know. You know, I was reading about this. They make he made this movie like he makes most of his movies, mm-hmm. which is he they hires of, he hires the actors and they do extensive impros- improvisation. It comes out of improvisation. Yeah, and then after they've developed the characters and done all the improv, then they write a script based on the improv mm-hmm. and then they shoot that script. But the characters yeah. and the situations come out of originally what they're walking into the yeah. room with and what they start to develop together. So it's supposed to be this whole organic yeah, way of, of which to me your, is a little even more a little bit more disturbing that that that's what they came that's up what with. they came up with. So you that's know? what you showed up with, David Thewlis. <laughs> Thank you. We've enjoyed because, getting to know like, Johnny. You know, if you look at another year, which is you know this is like a warm, beautiful like weekend. Have you seen this one? Yeah, yeah. No, I love it's a warm, I love beautiful movie. weekend, it's and it's a family, and they're talking, and they it's the same process. Mm-hmm. They got these actors together, Jim Broadbent, and and they they improvised together, and then they came up. You know what's missing? Yeah. Jim Broadbent is missing yeah, that's from this movie. <laughs> Jim Broadbent. So if they made this movie without David Thewlis and, yeah. and Jim Broadbent in the Johnny character, yeah. it'd be a little bit different. Just well, saying. and you know, I mean, it could be completely different if instead of like talking about this damaged smart guy, what if we have like uh, a working class guy that's smarter than his job, but he's you know kind of merry and it's which I think is one of his other ones. You know, that he has lots of movies about working class families, and you know, it doesn't have to be a big beautiful house in the countryside. It can be a small cramped flat in you know the the dodgy end of London, and yeah. And um, I don't, I don't know. It's it's just it's disturbing to me that this is like the one that everybody's like, because like I think there's so much. I don't. Well, know. I don't know. Once you see it, you never forget it. That's, That's true. something. Something. That's true. It's... And I don't know what I need to offer by way of defense, other than I just connect this with that that time. Well, that you, was... don't, you don't have to defend it. <laughs> But I, I, you don't. No, but it know. was. It's difficult to come back to it and try and see it through the fresh eyes yeah. of your girlfriend who's sitting yeah. beside you watching this, going like, "Wow, I didn't quite remember like how brutal this is." And you know, I, I, I do say I like it better than um, what is the um, um, uh, Requiem for a Dream, which I well, saw when yeah. I was. 18 something like that okay we're gonna start a list um (laughs) shut up and watch this viewers with movies that are not good for dates (laughs) so on the no date night we'll put requiem for a dream should always be number one yes Naked probably goes on the list, and we can continue to add yeah. this. I'm sorry that we've now done this. Oh, I have to tell you this. This is well, kind but, you th- know, we- Requiem for a Dream. At least the sex is consensual, as far as we know. <laughs> okay, I'm trying not to go back into my mental imagery yeah. of Requiem for I'm a sorry. Dream right now, but I did just want to say I just had um, drinks with a friend of mine before we were recording yeah. this, and I actually said to him, "Oh, I hope we don't have to record this tonight because I'm really not in the mood to talk about this movie." <laughs> but um, hi, um, no, that's fine. <laughs> but he said, "Oh yeah, I used to." Re-, he said, "I really, I, I really used to think of that as like, you know, a movie I really liked." And he said, "I, I, I," he said, "I once showed that to my 
girlfriend long time ago, that my long-term girlfriend in Philadelphia. And um, he was like, yeah, it was not a, it was not a good choice. <laughs> he, he, he said, he said she found it really disturbing. And he said it actually kind of caused a little bit of friction in our relationship. Mm. He said like, he said it kind of like, bummed her out for a while and she was kind of like i don't know i don't think you're the person i thought you were or something if you really connect or relate to this movie and as much as you do and like he he, anyway so here i am walking into uh um (laughs) uh, is this a thing that i don't know i think that (laughs) well you know there always there are those movies like the iron giant every man i've ever known cried at the when they watched the iron giant like everyone that i've ever known I very rarely cry in any movie, yeah, so, I don't, so I don't. I don't really have an Iron Giant experience. <laughs> yes. but I didn't see it until years later. But like, I watch it, and like, I just don't have that connection with the Iron Giant. I don't I either. Don't. Is it something about how men feel for their action figures, for or the something? robots, or for the something robots? The robots. <laughs> it's like a, the relationship between a boy and his dog. You know, a man and his robot. Well, I mean, I think that. I mean the the fact that the lead character. So we watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is about a similarly crazy you know, woman who does things that are in some cases irredeemable, you know, but we still, I mean, I still watch it. I'm able to connect to her. So I don't know if there's something about having the male lead character and seeing how badly he treats the women that makes it harder for me to, I see the charisma. I totally see the charisma. There's something here. And the wit. Okay. You know, you know how men are often like (laughs) pinned as being like not able to be emotional yeah and to have like the wall up kind of thing i think that part of my reaction to this film in the past has something to do with the extent to which he pushes people away brutally pushes people away and ends up so totally alone like this is how disconnected he is from people and there's like a tragedy to that there's a pain to that and i think that that feeling of like loss and the the inability the last chance to reform the last chance to connect with anybody just being completely off the table and the way he hobbles away like yeah. literally limping away with his face bruised his ankle probably broken away from any chance at human connection it's something that men understand yeah, well, <laughs> that's I, what I want to say. I, th- I, think, I think there's that's... something about the male experience of of, or, or at least that stereotype. Or there's there's not just a stereotype, but there's something about the, you know, being yeah. uncomfortable with letting people in. And this is about somebody who takes. So you've made it hyperbolic. You've exaggerated yeah. that idea to such a degree that what you end up with is a character like Johnny who connects with people just so that he can push them away. Yeah. And it's not fun to watch, mm. but it's interesting and intriguing. Well, and me. I think my um, my uncomfortableness with self-destruction is well documented. I can't watch anything where anyone has an addiction or a gambling problem or anything. Anything where they're destroying their lives, you know. Um, oh, I was- audience, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> yes. So let's just, we're going to have, a, we're going to keep adding that to the yeah. list. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... Any anything where pe- where characters are self destructive and even somewhat self aware of their self destruction but not able to help themselves is really hard for me to watch. 
So, I mean, there's an element of that in it. But I, I do, I mean, I re- do a lot of reading about relationships between people and, and what's wrong with our society that men don't feel like they can connect with other people, that they're not allowed to connect with anyone besides their girlfriends or their wives or their partner, whoever they, you know, have an intimate relationship with. And and it's true that, that many men are, are so influenced by our society that they don't feel like they can connect to other men. They don't feel like they can connect to other women outside their intimate partner relationship. You know, mm-hmm. they just... And that's that's very sad. And then, you know, pair that with like the Internet culture where it's just like, you know, misogyny feeding itself. And, you know, these some sometimes they'll reach out and ask really stupid questions to which some people will be like, grow up, stop being an idiot. And, you know, it's hard to balance the empathy for those people beside that you're an adult you need to figure these things out for yourself kind of thing so you you know you can't how do you balance you know giving them support so you don't end up with someone like johnny with the you know i don't have the time and energy to completely reform your experience as a human being (laughs) is there something about johnny and the story of johnny that's meant to be like a cautionary tale tale table Mm. Yeah, I think, I think that's so. I mean, I think that that's true. I was trying to think of, you You use the term Odyssey, you know. Um, well, it's actually, yeah. he actually pulls the yeah. Iliad and the Odyssey. I think, <laughs> yeah. does he pull the Odyssey or the Iliad off the shelf? He says. They talk about Homer. He, it's very clearly that this is his Odyssey. Hol- I think he's holding the Odyssey, but he says it's about Troy. And the Odyssey is not about Troy. I think we talked about that. <laughs> well, that's because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He thinks he's a little more intelligent yeah. than he is. Yeah. He is intelligent, but. You know, I, he gets his references I mixed think, up sometimes. You know, and I understand the people who make connections to things in odd ways because I do a little bit of that myself. Like people can't always hop on my thought train because my my thought train makes odd. Well, stops. like the Odyssey, he does leave Louise and Sophie and come back to yeah. Ithaca <laughs> in the end. And yes. along the way. Um, I don't know, maybe the uh, naked woman in the window is Circe yeah. or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know if somebody's written Well, in. I mean, and I think, I can't remember from exactly, but I think that The Cyclops once, is Brian, who's looking through yeah. the telescope across the, yeah. I'm just making this up at this point, but. Um, well, no, I mean, I think there's some comparisons to be made there, definitely. You know, I think that he does, he does all the stuff to come home to Penelope. And then I think immediately gets back on a, on a boat and goes somewhere else again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's home for like 12 days or something long enough to win back his kingdom and then he goes away again because that's who he is i guess you know keep on traveling johnny is a drifter and we watch him drift for two hours you know he comes and says hi to miss so also this makes me think like (laughs) when you see a random loud shouting homeless person yeah this is this this is an example of going into the story of who that person is yeah because you get you johnny's a full character you don't know everything about his past, but you definitely have the sense of a full person, at least yeah. from the way he, you know, interacts yeah. with people and everything that he brings, you you can read into where he's come from kind of thing. But wow. Yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts? This has been a record like episode. Yeah. We in might terms have a time. very special episode of the, the shut up and watch this. Um, I think I, let's see. Um, you know, I guess to me, one one thing that I thought was interesting is throughout the whole movie, there there was no, like, 
there was no like comic relief at all. Um, something I was reading was comparing it to some of the Shakespearean tragedies, which are usually broken up with like bits of humor. And I just, I, I don't think we had much, especially after the early scenes, we didn't have much of escape from the sort of dourness of, you know, um, and, and how close everything felt at the end. Like when you have the awful, guy ends up at the house and then Johnny's at the house and then there's like a, you know, a terrible scene. And I I don't know. It's, it didn't seem like in a way, the character of Sandra, the nurse, the roommate who's been away comes back. is supposed to be funny or light or somehow in the way that she's like kind of trying to clean everything up and, and her whole shtick is she can't finish a sentence. I just, you can't (laughs) believe that you wouldn't. Did you? Ah, yeah. You know, just over and over and over, and that's her thing. Well, and I, she, I mean, like, doesn't get drawn into it, I guess, is what I can say about her. She takes, she kicks him out and takes a bath, you know. She's just, she's just not participate. She chooses not to participate in this. Um, but then I kind of wonder, like, why does she have these, like, weird people living in her house? Like, what does... Sophie do. And why does she know Jeremy as Sebastian? Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, we don't yeah. know. We can yeah. only speculate. I don't want to speculate about that any further. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're at time. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was interesting. I have to say, at least we, um, we stuck it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was an interesting discussion. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So we covered a, a, challenging and disturbing movie yes and maybe we'll do something different next time yes okay so what you put it on me for the light and fluff so (laughs) no i don't mean literally next time okay but i'm pretty sure you're not going to choose something that's like this oh we're watching vera drake no just kidding so next week requiem for a dream Dream. no we're don't watch that in preparation just don't okay um (laughs) <laughs> All right, so you've been listening to Shut Up and Watch This. Um, you can write an email to us if you want to comment on the movie Naked by Mike Lee um, or just tell us what you think of the show. You can write us at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, leave a review on iTunes, and uh, we will see you next time. Do you know what you're doing next time? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> All right, see you next time. Bye. Bye.